Okay, hi, welcome to today's COVID cast. It is the last day of May, belated Canary Islands Day to everybody, which was yesterday. Um, and we're here, I'm in Costa Deje, and my name is Cleo Flynn, and I'm joined as usual by the the ever wonderful Ms. Janet Anscombe. In the mountains, hello everybody. Janet in the mountains, Cleo by the sea. It's the start of a <laughs> The start of a silly poem. <laughs> Listen, we before we pressed record, we were kind of wandering all over the place because I think we're both feeling a bit befuddled, bemuddled by what's going on politically uh, in terms of travel. Um, because we have a number of countries now beginning to either already banning open travel from the UK or looking at it. And then Spain has gone the other way and has said to everybody, you know, eight days ago, you're all welcome without any restrictions. And you're saying that Italy is also now wondering about allowing non-European nationals in under the digital certificate scheme. So it's kind of all over the place. It really is all over the place. The Italians today are saying that, I mean, they are as committed to the EU as Spain is, because as a Southern European country, they have benefited hugely from the EU, and they know that, and they are fundamentally wholly committed members. But the Italians are saying, well, you know, we still need tourist money, and we need more than we can get from the EU, so maybe we should think about extending the EU's digital green pass to non-EU nationals, which, of course, we all know means British visitors, which is all very well and good if Southern Europe is gearing up to say we want British visitors, while the North is saying we don't want British visitors. But in fact, the decision might yet be taken out of their hands because today they are there is there is an increasing noise and heat today in the UK about having missed the boat for the third wave, which is some are saying has already now started. Yeah, yeah, and others complaining bitterly about the fact that they've missed every single opportunity to shut down. At one point, they had people arriving from obviously red list India into Heathrow, cheek by jowl with green list passengers leaving for places like Spain and Italy and America and Japan and following the you know the absolute super spreader playbook seems to be what the UK is following right now. And you have to wonder what the hell is going on. Are they really going for herd immunity after all? I mean, because that's what it can look like. The, 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 the theme, the shout from the rooftops a couple of months ago was follow the data, not the dates, which was a, a great slogan to have. But yes. in recent weeks, that seems to have been completely turned on its head because people are saying June the 21st, June the 21st, June the 21st. And certainly what I'm watching, I mean, I don't have any contacts in the UK, but what I'm seeing on, on media in general is uh, we can't call that yet. We can't make that decision yet. And like you say, some scientists are now saying that there's a rumbling of a third wave. And we've seen it in certain parts of, of the UK where they're saying we're advising people not to travel to, but we're not restricting them from traveling there because there is an increase in this Indian variant for, at the moment. Um, so if things, if infections are rising again, despite the fact that so many people have been vaccinated, I know hospital admissions are not up, but infections are. 
Is it the time to be opening up borders? Is it the time to be cancelling all no <clears throat> social distance? And I don't think so. It, it seems to me that whatever the government does, it, it, it has mixed its messages at every single stage. And there comes a point where you think even a moron would be able to get messaging right once in a blue moon. He was thinking Therefore, about his wedding. He was planning yes, ex- <laughs> Therefore, one does begin to wonder if messaging is consistently mixed and confusing, there may be an intent behind that. I'm not being conspiratorial about it, but it, it's true that messaging, everybody knows messaging has to be consistent. And when there is, when the only consistency is in confused messaging, then you start to wonder what it really is actually going on. What What amused me and made me feel very sad, actually, over the weekend, was seeing all the people in London again, protesting about the lockdown, walking past any number of shops that were fully open, past parks that were open, where people were legally gathering in groups. The country is open. It is just not wholly open because there still is a pandemic. And yet people are there protesting in their thousands about being locked down, which they aren't anyway. At some point, you think the government just needs to say, go home, behave, grow up and wait until this actually looks like there is some improvement in what is going on before you actually behave like toddlers. I mean, but is it a case, I wonder, is, is the issue that the government feel that there's no way they can they could hold back the tide if they declared another even partial lockdown because they're too far gone down the road of, of opening up again. I don't think it's just the UK, actually. I think no, that is true. Everywhere. We, I mean, we, we have said, yeah. The Irish Prime Minister last Friday kind of had one of the, the Miriam Lord, who's a really good political satirist, said that his speech was more like somebody announcing the opening of a new IKEA shop because it yes. was the grand opening. Um, yes. And I mean, international travel has not been permitted yet in Ireland, but in general, the, the, the mood is still towards a slow but steady opening of things. Now, I think it's at less of a pace than in the UK, um, but people, you know, there still needs to be caution. I do feel, I mean, again, I want to see my family. I've said this every time we've spoken. I'd love to see my family in Ireland, but I'm not hedging my bets. No, I do wonder, though, Cleo, whether a lot of what we are reading is vested interests like the tourism industry and business leaders generally wanting to talk up recovery and tourism because obviously there are financial concerns and there is an economy to to protect. But I do wonder whether what we're hearing is, is actually just hype. I think perhaps many people will be more cautious. Hmm. And the signs are indicating. I, I think the situation is so confused and people are so concerned, particularly as an Indian variant um, spreads. And of course, now there's a Vietnamese variant, is, which in yeah. some cases has mixed with the Indian variant. So we've got a double Vietnam Indian um, variant. I see. Um, so I think people away? will be a lot more cautious than, than we are perhaps fearing, which does call into question quite how much tourism is going to resume here, really, over the summer. I mean, because Spain has opened. 
Spain's open six doors, but the UK isn't yet allowing people fully to go. And Spain could yet close its door again. I mean, I haven't here along the coast over the weekend. I did notice more people. Siam Park opened. Agualand yes. opened. Yes. Um, now, I spoke to Christoph Kiesling. That interview I'll have on English Time on Thursday. And yeah. he very much knows that for the summer, it's, you know, residents, Canarians and some visitors. But they're not expecting waves and waves of people they're keeping it limited it's three days a week um and parking was a little bit tougher yesterday in certain zones when I went to park but th- I haven't noticed waved of waves of tourists coming over um no, and I, I, also I think like, I will hold my hands up and say that you and I probably are in the very cautious group yes yeah absolutely that's, I agree. that's, that's where we fall and I acknowledge yeah. that so do I But I think this summer, the majority of visitors here are going to be from the mainland. And I suppose it's with an eye to that, that the Canarian authorities only in the last couple of days have now introduced a new measure whereby anybody coming from any other region of Spain, so the mainland or the Balearics or Ceuta Malia, they can come without an antigen test or any sort of COVID test, providing they can bring proof that they've had the COVID vaccine. So even when it comes to national visitors, the Canarian government's still being sensibly cautious. You've got to give it to Torres, you know. I mean, all the way through, he has said, we're a tourist destination. We rely, you know, 70% of our income is tourism. We know how important this is. And yet people's health and people's lives is the absolutely most important thing of all. They're both important, but you have to put people's lives first. And he said that all the way through. And even now that he's trying to open up carefully to tourism again, he is still prioritising safety. And I I think you've got to give it to the government here, the regional government. They've done a marvellous job, I think. And I hope they continue to do that. I mean, we spoke about this last week, like the restrictions, for instance, while you can travel and fly into Spain from the UK without any administrative restriction if you are booking into a hotel or into a registered vacation home you will need to have a pcr test proof thereof yes and download the track and trace app because that's still that that has proved very effective we haven't talked much about it it hasn't been talked about much in spain it's all been about the vaccine program and of course comparatively the eu's vaccine rollout has been quite slow or at least it was to begin with but now it is really full steam ahead and everybody has talked about that but the track and trace program here has been a stunning success it's been good and it's been very good of vaccine something i thought i would bring to our listeners attention um today i only found out today i hadn't realized i have a thing called misita previa which is the app of the health service, the Canarian Health Service, which I use a lot because it means I can make appointments online or, or in person with my doctor. I can check on appointments. And I've looked into it today and up there is the date of my next vaccine, which they have put on, yes. which I didn't realize. So, and, and I am actually one of those who will be offered the Pfizer as a second vaccine, having had AstraZeneca as the first um, which I'm happy about. I'm happy to take. Yes, so this we have said, haven't we, before that uh, as long as they give us a, a vaccination of any description, yeah. we will be happy because all the tests have been done 
before yeah. these vaccines were approved. And all of, use, my, I mean, all of my colleagues in work now, I was the first in my office. They're all <laughs> just a little bit younger than me. Um, but I mean, <laughs> most of them have either had their first jab, one's had the Janssen, and three others have got their vaccination appointments this week. They don't know what which one they're getting. And if it's the Janssen, obviously it's a one-off. Yes, yes. So as you say, you know, the rollout has suddenly, I mean, I had somebody saying, I think I mentioned this last week, oh, you know, they were going in, in lots of 10 years and now suddenly everyone can apply. And the answer was, well, yes, a fourth vaccine was approved by the EU and supply is up. So what they want we to We have do is- said, we said within the last, it's interesting you say about being given the choice and <clears throat> or rather being um, given the Pfizer that, as we said about a month or so ago, there was a sudden increase, a step up of, of significance um, with the EU's provision. Mm. And then a new Pfizer factory came online. And the doses, as we said, I think about a month ago, it's the production was like a steam train. Yeah. And we yeah. have got a ton of supplies here through Spain, straight out to the regions. The logistical exercise, it's all invisible. People don't see it. All they see is the fact that they've got to ring 012 and find out if they've got an appointment. Mm-hmm. But the logistical exercise of creating these vaccines and getting them delivered to countries, distributed to the country's regions, and administered then through the it's regional health service. into arms. It's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I know some people complain and, you know, everyone has the right to complain and they were in a queue or they, but we're there, we're getting there now. So while we've been doomy and gloomy 10 minutes ago talking about the next virus and, or, you know, the Venindian or the, in, whatever, the Indiamian or whatever you called it, um, we also have to, like, take the, the hopefulness as well and say, well, hang on, the vaccination programme is working. And hopefully by the end of the summer, most of us who live here will have had our double dose. Absolutely. There's lots to be positive about. The the negativity comes in with people trying to push too quickly. Or jump, the thing jump, to return to a normal that no longer exists. Yeah. That it's, is been knocked, it's been knocked out of the ballpark. There is no normal anymore. We have to learn to live with the new situation. And we don't know yet what that will look like by the time it's finished. It's what it's doing to the world. So that in that sense, people just need to step back and relax and wait. And if they do that, there is a lot to be positive about. Yeah, yeah. Because Charles is saying, everybody is saying, the Sanidad and nationally and regionally and the Canarian government and the tourism itself and people like Ashutel, Jorge, Marichal. By the end of this summer, we're talking in terms of 70, 80 percent Mm-hmm. of people vaccinated, things open. You want normal? That's about as normal as it's yeah. going to be. And this is the time scale, the end of summer. So exactly. for the time being, we have to take it slowly and steadily, baby steps, and accept that this pandemic has affected the world in ways that we couldn't have imagined two years ago. Mm-hmm. It's true. And, and, as, and- long as, as long as we are sensible and careful, I think there is a lot to be hopeful about. A lot. Certainly compared to last year, this time last year, the world is a brighter place. The future looks, well, the future is a future. Whereas this time... You know what I think? I think as well, it has made so many people reassess their futures that those futures will now be better because of what's happened, I hope. 
Yeah, and, and I think as well, um, it has made people not just reassess, but view the world slightly differently. I mean, view their own place in the world too. Absolutely. Differently. And I think that yes. can, can be a good thing. Well, they were talking yesterday. I mean, it's, it's, it's a bad thing in a way that it's pushed property prices up in Cornwall for the locals. That's not a good good thing but it shows that people throughout the UK at least are re-evaluating their lives they don't want to be based in a city commuting into an office to share with 2,000 other people missing out on their home lives missing out on the countryside never stopping to look Mm -hmm. at the sky not enjoying their children losing how many people have lost their family members over the last year and said I wish I'd had the time to spend more time with them there are people clearly re-evaluating their whole lifestyles now yeah yeah, and I think that'll do us and the world a lot of good there's a lot of reason for hope I think I mean we were discussing on the English time program um the whole remote worker thing uh, and the government is very keen to encourage this and again it it is you know I know some of our colleagues were saying these are just are these the hippy dippies who spend four hours drinking one cup of coffee and trying to, to steal Wi-Fi from a shop, but there, a lot of them aren't. And, you know, I think it is, I see it as a positive sign that institutionally governments are also looking at how to adapt the economy, how to tweak the economy, how to change what's available to potential workers. It's um, a different future. It's yeah. a different future. And the beach bum, hippie, dippy days and peace and love not war and smoking weed and the beach and the surf boys that's 60 70 years ago now (laughs) well they're 60 70 years old probably now (laughs) exactly it's gone these people never had the internet they might have had a lot else going for them in southern california where it never rained and you wore flowers in your hair but that is 60 years ago it's a different world people now have the internet and they have mobile phones and they use them and they travel and they are interested in sustainable lifestyles very much so where where people don't discriminate either they they we've said before haven't we i am so glad that our future or our kids future is in the hands of younger people because they've they've got it together in a way that we never managed and I mightn't understand it all the time, but they surprise me with not just with their smartness, but with their level of caring. Yes. You know, not all I of agree. them, but there's compassion there, too, which is nice to see. Ruby Wax, whom I love. She is a very smart, intelligent woman who was a comedian, but who is now a psychologist, says that compassion is one of the most fundamental emotions we can feel. And if we can feel compassion, which she defines as sympathy combined with an urge to help, that's how she defines, um, she says there's a lot of psychological psychobabble talked about the difference between empathy and sympathy. But if you have either of those, if you have a feeling of pity for someone and an urge to help, then you've got compassion. And if you have compassion for others, You can have compassion for yourself. You can't have compassion for yourself unless you have compassion for others because it's an emotion that has to be created within oneself. And so she thinks that's a huge and fundamental quality. And as you say, these youngsters these days, they've got it. Yeah. Whether it's Black Lives Matter or the environment or 
globalism or the internet, it doesn't matter. They have a cohesive worldview in so many cases that comprises and is built on compassion. I think the future's in a really good place, actually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, I just hope I'm around to see some of it. So do I. Listen, back <laughs> to boring stuff. We've got a really boring topic that people want us to discuss, and we're not going to... We decided we would talk about tax but we can't give advice on tax because we're not tax experts. But there were one right. of the questions you said that have been received that we can kind of look at and maybe advise people where to go. Absolutely. And you're absolutely right. And I've said it all the way through. We, we don't advise on tax because it's a specialized field in which professionals work and earn their living. So it would be unwise and unfair to... Yeah. Even bring it, and yet it is tax season. And for those who don't know, the tax year in the Canaries in Spain is an annual one. It's a calendar year, January to December. And halfway through the following year, you submit a tax return for that year. For the past year. Yeah. And so the questions are how do I do this? Can I do it myself? How much should it cost? Do I need someone? The answer is you don't need anybody to do it, but in my opinion, you are well advised if you do engage someone to help you or talk you through it. And in fact, the councils and the tax offices themselves do this. So you don't need, actually need to pay anyone. But if you are paying someone, you've got a choice of someone like a HESTOR, who is a general purpose administrator, or an assessor, who is a specific financial advisor or there's different types of assessors but in this particular instance they would be financial advisors but there's also full-blown accountants contador and each one as in the UK if you have a chartered accountant or a certified accountant or a business administrator they'll charge different fees because they have different levels of qualifications um, I would think that you're looking about 40 to 60 euros yeah, for a basic basic help somewhere um, in that ballpark most of them, I mean, um, there's a couple of things I would add to that. Most of them only charge one fee. I mean, that, so that it's not 50 for your first appointment and then we'll see where we need to go. Unless it's a very complicated return, uh, 50, 50 euros should really be what you will pay for them to do your tax return for Absolutely. you. Absolutely, there are thereabouts, yeah. Now, I would say there's a couple of ways you can move. Like if... For instance, um, you, you paid someone to do it last year and nothing has changed financially in your life. You will be able to go onto the tax website and get what's called a borrador, which is their assessment of what you what either they owe you this year or you owe them. And as I say, if nothing has changed, you can just accept that. Uh, and sometimes yeah. I've done that personally, but I mean, that's because I know that not, I've gone through it and I've seen that nothing has changed in my declaration. But that's having used professionals in the past. Yes, exactly. If you are, the other thing I would say, whether you're hiring a private accountant or going to the Hacienda office with an appointment to see their people to do your tax assessment, don't hide anything. Do not try and be cleverer than the tax office. I couldn't agree more. Even if they don't get you this time, they have a couple of years where they will get you. And I mean, I know people, it's happened to me, the mistake somebody else made and I ended up having to pay 300 euros extra for it five years after the declaration because they wouldn't accept that it was a genuine mistake on not even on my part 
because if they decide that you have tried to fool them, they will fine you and they will fine you heavily. And if you don't pay it, it doubles and it trebles. So the, I don't know what it's like in other countries because it's always been a PAYE system for me in Ireland, which is pay as you earn. But here I would say to everybody, if you're going to make a tax de declaration and you should make a tax declaration if you're resident here, do it being prepared to reveal everything, to be honest and above board. But the thing is, it, it's fiscal. Um, it's, a, it's a national fiscal system. It's the same with the inland revenue, Let, talking in terms British readers or listeners would, would recognise. Imagine the inland revenue. Would you lie to them? If, no. if you had a brain, would you like to them? talk to each other? That's the other they thing. They talk to each other. And the simple fact is that because it's a national tax collection thing, it is fraud to lie yeah. to them. It, it's not just a, a, a slap on the wrist thing. It's actual financial fraud if you tell these people a lie. And fraud, I'm afraid, is a criminal offence for which yeah. people go to jail. So it, yeah. it's, it's just not worth it. You know, I mean, it really is just not worth it. Completely open. Tell them what's going on. It, ideally, in my opinion, use some form of professional to give you a hand, at least in the first instance, till you've found your feet and you know what you're doing, then you can perhaps do it yourself. But even after all this time here, we still use someone every year to give us a hand to put in our tax returns because I don't want to make mistakes. No, and I mean, the, and again, just a second or third reminder, if you have assets abroad, if you have a property abroad, that needs to be declared. This is a big institution. This is a big, you know, as you say, national institution. And they just want, and this year, I've heard this from other people, because they've had to pay out so much in terms of ERTE and furloughs, they will be determined that people who owe tax will pay tax this year. I, I have heard um, that this year they really are going to be going through things with a fine with the finest tooth comb possible so yeah it's hard to explain if people don't already understand that this is the national exchequer this is the government's money box mm. they are it's the government who wants the money and it's it's money that we owe through taxation which is how the state creates its income there is, a, by the way, there is a good chance if you're if you're in a paid contract job, there's a very good chance you get money back because again, that's how the system here works. Exactly, so they overtax you uh, at source, and then when you make your declaration, you can you know maybe you've got a house, maybe you've got a mortgage, maybe you've got kids, maybe you've paid for dental treatment during the year. Um, so there's you know with a good accountant as well, they will. I mean, all this is standard now that they will get you money back, and a lot of people. Talk about how much they get back from the tax office every year, not how much they pay to it. That's right. And uh, yes, and someone did ask actually how long one waits for this sort of tax to come back. In my in my experience, it's about three or four months. Or I got mine. That, that's about I got mine a month later. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't have expected anyone to have to wait more than six months. No, say. no, 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 no. no, no. Um, if anybody is in that situation, I have heard of one or two who are in that situation. They need to be following that up mm. because that is longer than it would otherwise than it would otherwise take. Yeah, but uh, generally, a, a good accountant who you will just have to pay probably a one-off fee will end yeah. up uh, in many many cases getting you money back. 
So, yes, indeed. you know, yes. again, it's another reason if you are earning a minimum wage, there, there is a minimum limit um, where you will be told you don't have to pay tax. Um, but I mean, again, it's no harm if you are legally resident here and earning money or in receipt of an income, even if it's from rentals abroad, you, you should really talk to your accountant just to Absolutely. make sure that you're not going to be caught in the future. Couldn't agree more. All right. Anything else? I mean, two really dull, boring subjects, vaccination and taxation. We're sticking with the Asians, Janet. We are, aren't we? It's, it's that I was talking to a, a lawyer friend only this morning and saying, you know, everything is so quiet here at the minute because it's all to do with COVID and it's all to do with Brexit. And really, those two things between them have covered everything, haven't they? They have infected, rather, everything. Have it will yeah. get better. It will. Summer's starting. Summer's nearly here, and although it will yeah. be different, you know there won't be the big parties on the beaches as have been in previous years. But we are nearly at San Juan. Yeah. It's June. It's I June tomorrow. It's it's actually, June it's June tomorrow. Tomorrow's June. Yeah. I mean, I might do that. Mid. I've never done the midnight swim. I might do it this year. Yeah, I think we might this year as well. Yeah. It's funny, I was talking to somebody over the weekend and we were both saying, while 2020 seemed like the longest year imaginable, now you don't even talk about it. When I say last year, I actually mean 2019. In some ways, psychologically, I'm thinking the last year that I did things. So I say last year, but I mean 2019. It's because a complete reset. Psychologically, it's like 2020 yeah. didn't really exist. It's a reset. It's like we said last year, March. So the year when 2020 went January, February, March, 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 March. <laughs> and exactly. we are still in March 2020. <laughs> we are. Even though well, we finally had a Eurovision. So that's a good sign. And nobody yes, took drugs. <laughs> and I, I absolutely I, I do think that there have been quite a few of these events now they they've done some in Spain and there was Eurovision in Rotterdam and there was um, the Liverpool experiment they are beginning to experiment with opening things up for mass events and tracking and tracing afterwards to see what has happened and the the early results seem to suggest that as long as people are careful within yeah. these venues and as long as they require at least a test, if not a vaccine, from people who go in. What they're finding with the track and trace after these events is that there is no, there's no comeback afterwards. There, there is no spread. There's no risk. So they are finding ways of doing these events, but they do require high numbers of vaccinated people and everybody providing tests. What I wonder is whether the Olympics will be able to go ahead after all. It's, it's only a couple of months. Yeah. It's still very soon. And I, the Americans already tell I have doubts about. about. I, I do mean, as well. Like I say, they did do the Eurovision. And I mean, I haven't heard any backlash from <clears> the, no? there were thousands there and they were infected. But I think Rotterdam wasn't looking at rising cases of COVID, whereas Japan is, you know, the main cities are in near total lockdown. And who knows where this third wave is going in the UK? Let's hope nowhere. Yeah. That Let's is hope. the thing with this COVID, and it will dog us throughout this year as well, is that predictions of what will or won't be happening in a month's time always have to have a caveat. 
when I think of the things I used to do on the website every year, like right now, well, earlier this year, there would have been a post on the Romarias that will take place throughout Tenerife throughout the year. So be a general post explaining what a Romaria is and where the main ones are for people to go along. That didn't happen. Though this time of year, I'd be posting about the San Juan fiestas and the bonfires in the hills, and that's not going to happen. I would also be posting about the um, Laurotava flower and sound. Corpus Christi. That's not going to happen in the same way. All these regular markers of the years, we haven't had them now for over a 12 month. And this is why, of course, it still feels like we're back in 2019, because we haven't had all the things throughout the year. Unfortunately, we have had birthdays, but I mean, that's beside the point. At our age, it matters. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I could have done without my last one or two, I suppose. (laughs) We'll get there. We'll get there. Absolutely. All right. Well, then we shall, I mean, let's see if this day next week we have more non-information for people. <laughs> Since then, hopefully they keep listening, even though we're being as uh, undecisive as we possibly can be in terms of telling people what's happening, what isn't happening. But maybe, I mean, the one thing at Tenerife stayed in level two, Grand Canaria dropped to level one, I think. Um, yeah. So, you know, the only thing we can hope is that, you know, our ultra caution which I'd say a lot of people maybe feel we're being overcautious. So if there are visitors coming in this week, you're very welcome because the economy is But please stick, stick by the rules. That's all. Yeah, I mean, the rules exist and will stay in place for the foreseeable. Um, face masks are required. We are currently in level two in Tenerife, which means groups of six, but... Yeah. Bars and that can stay open. Restaurants can stay open. You can eat inside. Midnight is when they close. There's no curfew. No curfew. Things close at midnight. You are required to wear a face mask, but Siam Park is okay. now reopened for Friday, the weekend Saturday, at the Saturday. moment, only the weekends, but Lauro Park is open again. Mm-hmm. Things are gradually reopening and yeah. extending their hours. And Siam Mall is open for shopping. So just the beaches are open. And the beaches are open. Remember, so you know, year, the beaches were still closed. That to me was the worst part of all. Yes. I, I remember those videos last year. Somebody was driving around and, and the police did it as well. They drove around and they took um, like a dash cam of the streets that they were driving through, completely deserted. I've never seen Tenerife like that. No. Completely and, and utterly I, deserted. I never want to see it like that again. No, it was sad. I mean, I, I I did some of the voiceovers on the vans that were going around. So I was, people were going, I know that voice. I've heard her before <laughs> telling me to stay at home. But I, I mean, as every, people who know me know, I tried to swim four or five times a week. And when I got back down to the sea, which would have been the end of June, I was weak as a kitten in the water. I had no strength yes. in my arms, even though yes. I tried to work out you know, at home during the lockdown. But the strength to swim had to be rebuilt up completely. It was very strange those first two days in the water. It was like, weak as a kitten, you know? Yes, yes. I think it'll take us a while to to recover from what has happened. And as I said earlier, I, I think that where we end up is, is still undetermined. But t- this morning, um, Torres is, is saying, he's the president of the Canary Islands as, as a region within Spain. 
he, he was giving voice to the sort of feelings we've been talking about for the past half hour. He, he was saying this is a kind of critical moment that we are over the worst of this. Let's hope we don't get another wave. But for the moment, cases are going down. We are under 2,000 active cases for the first time in a very long time. And ICU cases are down to under 50 now. Hospital numbers are dropping. This is looking good. So let's and our behavior right now, our behavior right now determines, he said, what happens over coming months. We are on target for 70 to 80% positive results from whether you're looking at tourist numbers or people getting out and about and able to mix in groups, people vaccinated, people feeling safe. You're looking very high numbers, 70 to 80% by the end of summer, mm. providing we don't abuse this critical moment. That's what well, he said. Well, let's it's see. in our hands. Janet, I, and I, now I lay down a gauntlet to yes, myself to very much. that by yes. the end of the summer, we need to record at least one canary cast that does not mention COVID, okay? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. That is our challenge by the end of August. <laughs> we will be 80% likely to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, that's a, good, that's a good target. That's a good target. If, we can, if we're 80% likely to do it, we will do it. Even if I edit the bejesus out of the thing. (laughs) (laughs) All right, then we shall leave it there. Tax and bats. Um, I think we'll be calling. (laughs) And I will talk to you next week. Tax, vax and the Vietnam Indian. The Vietnam Indian variant. (laughs) (laughs) Bye bye, everybody. Stay safe. Bye bye. Stay safe. Be careful. Enjoy what we have.